Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. We often see in Hollywood thrillers spy agency computers whizzing through databases of faces looking for a match, and perhaps like me, you may have wondered how realistic this is. Well, automated facial recognition or AFR technology exists, it's fast, it's accurate, and it's in the hands of the police. It can prove to be an extremely powerful tool in the fight against crime and terrorism. The question is whether it's lawful. I'm Daniel Burke from 3D Solicitors. With me to discuss this is Dijon Basu, Queen's Counsel from Sergeants in Chambers. Dijon, the first case on AFR was recently decided by the High Court in the case of Bridges. What was the technology in use and how did it operate? That was technology called AFR Locate, uh, which was a system which um, is able to turn an image of a face uh, into mathematical data called a a biometric template. And and then it can compare uh, biometric templates of different images to see whether it's likely to be the same person. So how that worked was that the police would put together a database of up to 800 people, wanted people, uh, criminals on the run, criminals who'd escaped from custody, missing persons, etc. load them onto the system. It's called enrolling. The system would turn that into biometric data that would be able to be compared with images that the system was shown through CCTV. It strikes me that it may be far lower cost than deploying numerous police officers to search through crowds looking for suspects and be faster and more accurate. It can scan 50 faces per second from a crowd of up to half a million, which is far bigger than any sporting event we're ever likely to see. Uh, And it seems to be a tremendous tool for the uh, police. Uh, There's, of course, nothing new in the use of technology by law enforcement. This seems to be a very bold step forwards. Yes, there could be no real complaint if the police, for example, put together a group of 20 officers, for example, who uh, were very good at recognising faces and remembering them, getting each one to memorise 40 faces out of a database of 800, and then getting them to watch a crowd, either on cameras or just out in the crowd, and to to go and tackle people that they thought they recognised as you know, wanted persons, etc. There'd be no problem with that, but that would, of course, be terribly costly. But the advantage of this system is you can load on to the system the images, which then get converted into these biometric templates, uh, and then the system can scan literally scores of faces every second, well, 50 faces a second as a maximum, uh, and see whether it's likely that one of those faces on the uh, in the image it sees from CCTV is somebody who's wanted by the police, and it can then notify the human operator who then makes any decision. But it's important to note that it's a human being that makes decisions. So here, if the computer tries to say yes or suggests that there's a, there's a match, nothing happens until the, the human says yes and uh, uh, requires some action to be taken. So the operator will look at the image, see whether they're happy that it's a match, and see whether it, the person who's been matched is somebody they ought to speak to at the time. But I suppose one 
important difference is that if it is a police spotter and some of these officers have got incredible memories for faces but could still be challenged as being subject to some sort of error whereby if it's a computer program that can ultimately be traced back to ensure it's an accurate match. Well in the end of course the 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 human operator will look at it and, and see whether it looks like the same person. And in the end, of course, officers will go and speak to the person if they are tasked to do that. Mm. And they'll make sure it really is the person that's wanted by the police. So there are a number of checks there to make sure mistakes aren't made. So it was not, we're not blindly trusting technology. But re- research has shown that th- this technology is fairly reliable uh, and works pretty well. And there, there are no obvious inbuilt biases, no obvious errors that take place and and they're able to set the confidence limit at the appropriate level whereby they get results back that are helpful to them. So in the recent High Court case of Bridges and the technology sounds great but what was the claimant's complaint about all of this? Well he said that uh, he he obviously found out this was taking place in his local area, went along to the the protest or the, the event in question or in fact two of them he said, well, you're, you're infringing my Article 8 uh, right to respect for my private life by scanning me through your system in this way and analysing my face and recording it potentially for a period of time. Uh, and he also said that's a breach of his Data Protection uh, Act rights as well, both 1998 and 2018, because his claims spanned the relevant dates uh, of effect of those two pieces of legislation. So he, he, that, that was his claim. Uh, the police said in response, well, this is fairly well targeted, that their watch list of people consists only of those people who should properly be on it, serious criminals, escapees, vulnerable people, missing people, that sort of thing. And where there's no match, the images are deleted immediately by the AFR locate system. Where there is a match, the image is deleted within 24 hours. Uh, and the biometric templates are never kept. They're, they're almost instantaneous. They're analysed instantaneously and then deleted through the CCTV feed. Uh, and then the CCTV feed itself is only kept for a maximum of 31 days. So the police said this is targeted, narrow, and only what's necessary. Uh, and so the court agreed with Mr Bridges that there was a, a prima facie infringement of his right to privacy uh, on the basis this is sensitive processing. He's being individuated by this technology, i.e. singled out, identified, and therefore that constitutes a prima facie infringement of the Article 8 right of anyone who's potentially scanned or actually scanned uh, by the the system. But the the court held that it was justified, so it was both lawful and it was proportionate. But that's being appealed. It is, and the appeal is due to be heard over three days in June, starting on the 23rd of June uh, by the Court of Appeal, And it may, of course, go further to the Supreme Court, depending on which uh, way the result goes. Yes, it's certainly one to to watch. Do you think there is scope for images uh, and data to be retained for longer periods? Uh, For example, if we're looking at matters of national security, such as terrorism. I'm not sure it's going to be lawful to retain the data for longer, uh, certainly the data that's being processed by the AFR locate system itself. But but I do think it's possible the court will find that analysing CCTV collected over a wider area or for a longer period may be justified in the circumstances, i.e. may be proportionate to the aim being pursued, 
if, for example, the person being looked for or people being looked for are a narrowly defined group of very serious criminals, or including terrorists, perhaps. So it may be possible to narrow the group of people being put onto the watch list and widen the scope of the CCTV coverage. But, but it's all going to be a fact-sensitive question for the court to determine in each case. Yes. So at the moment, I think this is just with one police force... Well, this has been piloted by South Wales Police on behalf of the police forces in England and Wales. Uh, but now the Metropolitan Police are rolling it out and, and they, they're very keen to roll it out quite widely because, of course, London is one of the most well-covered areas for CCTV uh, in the world. And, and so you can see the temptation, we're, we're a big target as well, mm. uh, temptation for using these, this technology to try to identify serious criminals and, and put a stop to what they are about to do before they do it. With all the advantages of, of cost savings, accuracy and speed. Well, indeed, the, 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 the most serious criminals who require the most intervention and require perhaps surveillance, they are a massive drain on either the security services or the police because it takes a pretty surprisingly large team of people to follow somebody in a competent way, in a... In a sufficiently robust way to make sure you, you've got good coverage of what they're doing and where they're going. Uh, and this system has the potential at least for catching anybody you miss, um, reducing your reliance on police resources, i.e. people who are expensive, uh, and increasing your reliance on technology, uh, and effectively using technology against the criminals and terrorists, because it's one of the things that's been observed by the Commissioner of Police, uh, I think in an article today, was that criminals are themselves big users of technology and, and she said you know, with some justification you might think that the police ought to be allowed to use technology to the same degree that criminals and terrorists do. Of course and the, there still remains some criminals who are less tech savvy and that's often to their detriment in the Hatton Garden uh, robbery case they were I think it was uh, analog analog criminals in a digital age yeah uh, that's how, how they were caught. So you expect this to be rolled out to all the forces, perhaps following the appeal in June? Well, I imagine it'll be rolled out uh, more quickly than that. The, the judgment looks pretty robust, so it looks as though it's unlikely to be enormously changed, although one, what one never knows. Uh, so it provides a good template for police forces to copy around the country, uh, perhaps improve on this South Wales praxis. There are a few things they got wrong. For example, their, their policy statement... Uh, pursuant to Section 35.5a, didn't quite do what it was supposed to do in terms of setting out the policy for retention of data and deletion, etc., and safeguards. Uh, so that's going to have to be improved. But there, there are there are things that can be improved, but that's a fairly good model for other forces to use. And I suspect they'll start running it out around the country. Excellent. So we will watch this space, but it looks likely to become a major part of law enforcement going forwards. Indeed, and it's, it, 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 there seems to be interest in it worldwide, perhaps in, um, as Lord Denning would put it, in less happier lands, um, such as in China, it, it is said it's being used a lot more than it would be able to be used over here for obvious reasons. Mm. And one can, of course, see that it can be used by regimes for negative reasons as opposed to the, the positive reasons that they're used here. But well, one expects them to be, this technology to be used much more in the UK uh, for obvious reasons, both, both in terms of efficiency of catching criminals, finding them, uh, and in terms of uh, maintaining uh, a good policing service with dwindling resources. 
Excellent. Thank you very much, Dijon, for joining us. That's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for downloading the Plod Podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.